help hospitality. I mean, it is it is the heart of Melbourne. You know, Melbourne, especially in Australia, is the is the capital of food and coffee. I mean, it employs so many people, and just to see all those people in job queues, it's it's, it's heartbreaking. I'm Danny Vallant, and this is Dirty Linen the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. We're launching the series with When Rules Change because in Victoria, on Saturday, June 20, the goalposts were shifted, the rules changed and Daniel Andrews made an announcement. The planned opening up of restaurants and cafes going from 20 patrons per enclosed space to 50 patrons per enclosed space has been deferred. This is devastating for restaurants. It's bad news. For some restaurants, it means they won't be able to reopen at all. Katerina Borsato has run Katerina's beautiful basement dining in Melbourne for 25 years. Katerina's is a place where lawyers, bankers and business people come to do deals, to celebrate, to shake hands or currently bump elbows. It's been a super tough time for restaurants such as Katerina. The CBD is slower to come back than the suburbs and life is really tough. But she's a fighter. She's still putting up beautiful food. And if it's not for 50, then fine. It'll be for 20. So Katerina, it's been a big three months, hasn't it? Oh, Danny, yesterday my heart actually sunk because we were gearing up. You know, it's been the the worst three months for hospitality, as you know. You've been prolific in the media and you've seen all the comments on social media, which is the big thing because people, I think, within within our industry, we're really good at being honest um, because we're all in this together at the moment and it's it's frightening. Mm. So tell me what happened yesterday. Tell me how you heard the news and, and how you responded to it. Um, well, t- uh, to be quite honest, um, I received a message from a journo who had my number um, and they said, how do you feel about the news? So I hadn't heard it yet and I jumped in back into my car and um, then my manager called me and she said, Katerina, you near, you know, the radio or anything? And she said, look, they've just um, had to... The, the restrictions that were due to be eased um, will now go back into where we were before. Um, and, of course, immediately I'm thinking I've got a booking, a major booking next Wednesday and all I could think of was, oh, my God, I've ordered in all the alcohol, I've ordered the food for the dinner, I've got all the staff and now that's out the window. So it, just forgetting the money side, it's all the other stuff. Do, do you know what I mean? It's just awful. Hmm. How, so how did you feel? Oh, well, it, it's a question like, you know, we haven't had any money for three months and I know that um, many uh, restaurants and cafes were able to, um, you know, get onto the um, take-home uh, sort of, you know, you know get, getting food out to people by either their Uber Eats or by their staff. But because we're in the city and we have very little street visibility, it was very hard for me to convert to that. But I did and I let people know by or my clients via MailChimp as best I could. But we were never going to make any money, Danny. It was always going to be about just turning over a little bit of money and also giving, you know, my chef and my manager a reason to come into work basically. So 
So that was the first thing. Um, and so the very little bit of money we've had, we've had to just use to, we've bought food, we've paid for food, we've paid for our utilities, that sort of stuff. Um, so certainly not making any money. Um, and as I said, uh, other people converted and did really well, but it wasn't the case for us, um, even though I tried pretty hard. But I was certainly present in my business. I was there from March 22nd. I never left my doors because I think that in times of um, distress or uncertainty, if you are visible in your business, people will remember that. And um, I was I was really visible. I, I needed it for myself as much as it as you know clients or suppliers or other restaurateurs needed it um, because it's uh, with restaurants or cafes or whatever it may be. You know, if there are no bodies in the most beautiful building, it is totally soulless. And so I always made sure I had music on and I was there, the smell of coffee. You know, you, you never realise how much you miss the sound of the coffee machine until it's not going. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you put so much heart and so much energy into filling that space with life. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I continued to fill it with life, uh, you know, but always um, by the law because I would have people coming in and then I'd give them a coffee or something and then we'd talk because it wasn't just restaurateurs and the suppliers that that were worried. It, it was just normal people doing, you know, going to work, but they didn't know how long they'd have their job for. Um, and then they were told that they had to work from home. See, a lot of people might find that okay. Whether it's going to be productive, I don't know. But I think people like the idea of putting on their face getting dressed and going into work because it is is the mode that we know and although I know people saying, oh, well, you know, we can be as productive at, at home, well, time will tell. Um, I guess we are creatures of habit and um, I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just I'm not sure how that's going to play out because if it doesn't play out in the right way, um, it will certainly affect me, Danny, for sure. Mm. Well, I think one of the other things that the Premier said yesterday was that people should continue to work from home until the end of July if that, if that was possible. I mean, that's an, another blow for a CBD restaurant, isn't it? Oh, it is. That will be – well, it's, an, it's another month of minimal takings. Now, the, the thing about uh, – look, it's really interesting because when I was coming home Friday evening from work – I could see lines of people in a certain suburb, you know, not they were not uh, doing the 1.5, um, you know, social distancing. There was none of that. I watched as uh, it was a line down the street and I thought to myself, is it that people just don't get it? They are so irresponsible and it's only when you've had your ability to earn money taken away from you that you think, they must. They just don't get it, or they think that we're past the worst of it. But of course, I think they said this morning that there were 19 recorded new cases just today, uh, forgetting the 25 yesterday. So this, this virus is is it's a beast of its own. And um, you know, I think that the premier probably made the right call. It's probably the only call he could make at this point. And we actually just have to abide by the laws. But it's going to be tough on on especially businesses in the city. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you like to see from government, whether it's local, state, federal, to help you get through this? Well, I, I, I think that they have to um, – I think there needs to be some 
um, a, a little bit more communication with the individual businesses, um, which would be, you know, they, they've got people, spokespeople, just to check in on us. That's the first thing. And then to ask us, how are we going to get back on our feet? Because it's now April, May, June, July. That's four months, which is basically, you know, a third of the year, isn't it? How, how are they going to be able to kickstart the business? Because the monies that will come into small business will, will be – whatever debt that they've incurred will be very hard to sort of obliterate. Do you know what I mean? So I think that there has to be some stimulus out there for small business, without a doubt. And, of course, even though JobKeeper has been fantastic – um, you know, I've got 10 staff myself on JobKeeper, Danny. Um, thank God for that. However, um, you know, it, it, it's not going to suit everybody and there'll be people that we're doing four hours a week that are getting the same as a chef. So that that's the unfair side of it. But I guess they had to rush the legislation through and they had to do it quickly. So obviously there were going to be groups unhappy. Um, but I think that they're going to just have to help us with uh, some money, not just deferral, but they're going to have to give us some money. That's what they're going to have to do. So um, that, that, that's a big thing. And also, look, the, the, the whole thing about the restrictions is that I know that I was very vigilant in making sure that we were capped at 20. And that was with great difficulty, um, Danny. I've got to tell you, last week we had two people that walked into the restaurant um, refused to leave. We were at 19, so that would have put me one over. And they got quite aggressive with me. I've, I've never actually seen this before. I thought, I wonder whether this is human behaviour that's been locked away for three months. Um, it's bringing out the worst in them. And he said, look, I've paid a $50 cap fare to get here and I'm having lunch. And I thought, Oh, Jesus. And, you know, I still run a public business and therefore you don't want to create an issue in, in the workplace for myself or for my staff or anybody else lunching there. And so I actually had to go up to a client and say, could you please do me a favour and leave my restaurant? Just do me this favour and I'll buy you lunch, <laughs> you know, next week um, to stay within. So, so people have to actually, they have to understand. What Daniel Andrew said, please be vigilant and observe the laws. And I think that just people are not doing that. To be honest, I, I think it's really poor form. Mm. I can't believe that someone would put you in that position where you have to lean, lean on the loyalty of, a, of another customer to stop you from breaking the law. That is really so tough. I mean, you you know that hospitality is a tough business and you know that there's going to be things, you know, everything's er, every day brings something unforeseen, but this is not something that you would have expected to encounter in your life as a restaurateur. Oh, no. And look, look, you know, that was a case. It happened on Wednesday and I, I, I broke out into a sweat because I was really concerned. I mean, I was very well aware that some areas were being policed and, of course, I don't want to be the one that's going to get the fine. You know, it's 9,913 9, or whatever it is. I don't want to be that person because I'm not in a position to just throw money away. And um, But these two people just did not care. And my stuff, we were just, it was incredulous. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Not regular clients at all. And, you know, I've been reading lots of stuff in the media about all the no-shows. Now, Danny, because we have so much regular trade. It really doesn't happen very often to me. But 
Unfortunately, it did, where 25% of my maximum numbers did not show and they were all new people and I was, if, I, if I'm going to use the word I was rude, I was actually, I just said to them, are you kidding me? Um, for, you know, on a Friday when I turned away so many people and I thought to myself, is it that people just don't understand that we are fighting for our lives at the moment? And therefore, if five people don't show up, that's 25% of money that you will ne- you, you can't recoup that. Um, and, and also trying to man- manage the double bookings. That, that's another nightmare. Um, you know, because, of course, business in the city, Danny, isn't done at 11.45, you know, but we're forcing them at 11.45 and 1.45. And, and it doesn't sit well, I guess, for a lot of businesses, you know. So it, it's been incredibly difficult and I, I just hope that the government realises that everybody I know is trying to do the right thing but they must be able to give us – they need to help us. That's what they need to do. They need to help us. Mm. Do you think this delay in easing restrictions might mean the end for more restaurants and cafes? Uh, I do. Um, I think I have have said in the past that I think that people that open up businesses need to literally have a business degree. They need to understand the numbers. The people that have suffered the most are the people that had no fat in the bank. Now, as you know, Danny, I turned 25 this year, so I'm a little bit luckier. Um, I mean, I've still got ongoing costs, but but I am luckier because I have a seller that I've built up over 25 years. There's a little bit more money, you know. It was, I'm just a bit luckier, that's all. Um, I've done my time in the industry. But young people, if, if I was talking to myself 30 years ago or 25 years ago when I was starting out, I would be absolutely beside myself because I wouldn't have had the opportunity to get the fat in the bank. Do you, do you know what I mean? So so I feel very sorry for those people. And and then, of course, is the discussion about, the, you know, the landlords. Well, as someone said to me, you know, Katerina, the landlords have got their own bills. They can't just not, you know, um, get, get, get rid of your rent. Uh, it's going to be deferred. But, that you know, and, of course, that is business. I mean... That's where I think that the government needs to step in and seriously assist because if the landlords need to make their money eventually and the tenant cannot pay, therefore the government, they've stopped us taking a living or making a living and therefore they have to, you know, come come somewhere. They've got to meet us halfway somewhere. Mm. I think one thing about the hospitality industry is that it's it's so diverse, it's so disparate, it's, it's, it's built of many small businesses do you feel like the industry has enough of a united voice to to ask government for the kind of things that that you that you need to keep going? Um, well, it's first of all, I'd like to say that what's been great about this uh, last three months is that people have come together. We're all talking where where we were not before um, because people are frightened. Uh, so that that's a great thing. When when you all end up in the same hole then, you know, you're all scrambling to get out and that's been fantastic. Um, I've actually uh, had um, a meeting with um, the CEO from Restaurant and Catering. They actually came down to check up on restaurants and because there was a lot of confusion around some of the the laws about, you know, the, you know, the four square metres and what it could include and what it couldn't include and I know that I had a discussion with you is, well, can I build a wall or stack boxes? No, that's not legal. No, it needs a door. No, it doesn't. Like there was a lot of confusion around all that, Danny. Um, and I think people have decided to read the law as they see fit. 
um, and that's okay. Um, but, you, well, myself, I've gone right down the letter of the law. Um, but th they are listening and I know that I said I really hope that there is a discussion about getting rid of this fringe benefits tax help hospitality. I mean, it is it is the heart of Melbourne. You know, Melbourne, especially in Australia, is the is the capital of food and coffee. And the thing is that if they can, um, you know, lobby for us with the government, and I think that they will, because it's too important. I mean, it employs so many people, and just to see all those people in job queues, it's 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 heartbreaking. So, and not not just people who do it full time for a living, but the students that need it. As we've discussed, the visa holders that need it to, to stay here, they bring their skills. Um, so suddenly that's all gone. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that hopefully our union will, will do something to really, to really shake it up there with the government. Absolutely. It's such a it's such a tough one. I mean, I, I hear the passion in your voice, and I know that you know you, you do create such a beautiful feeling in that in that basement. You know, so many stories have been told there, so many yeah. deals have been made there, so much great food has been eaten there, and you know, you're always it's always creative, it's always you're always pushing. And I, I think one of the key Melbourne experiences is sitting in the Katarina's basement and listening to you or one of your team uh, listing off the specials as though they're, you know, on the stage. It's as dramatic as Hamlet. You know, it's just, it's so, uh, it's so special. And I think, you know, as you're talking about, you know, you've got that little bit of, um, you know, uh, wiggle room because you've been there for a while. The, and But the, I do think it does make me wonder about, you know, those people that don't have that and that won't be able to ride through this. And then what does Melbourne dining look like in the future when, you, when you've got people that have been so battered at this at that stage in their careers? Like who is coming through? Like what what is going to change? What, do, what are we going to miss out on, not just now and next week, but for years to come? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Well, Huh. That, that's that's a big question because we, we don't know the future. But what what I can see happening, and I've heard people grumbling about it, but for sure, restaurants are going to have to have some security in their numbers, and that is that making bookings, um, you, you're going to have to put up your credit card. Now, people don't like doing it, but I think um, for some of the selfish few that just don't turn up, that can just totally wipe out any semblance of, of profit in, in a, a single shift. Um, and let's not forget that 25%, as I said, that didn't show up, but you know that our profit margins are so slim at the moment, Danny. It's anywhere between, oh, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but three to six to seven percent. It's really, really tight. Um, so, you know, what is going to make somebody want to jump into the hospitality industry when you work so damn hard, um, but you can't make the money? It's going to be about the fact that you love it. If you're a hospo person, you'll be a hospo person for life because it is what we know. It, it is the excitement around food and drink and tasting wines and hearing stories. And, you know, you, you know, you were mentioning before about the specials. Well, of course, as we have to adhere to regulations, so I have a laminated menu. It's, that's not Katerina's style. I've had to reduce, in fact, I got rid of most of my specials for at least um, up until July and people would say, well, Katerina, are there any more specials? But the fact is that there are holding costs to specials and when you can only do 20 people in one sitting, uh, sitting and as you know, I, I, we only do lunch, so I don't even get nighttime or weekend trade, um, 
we I don't want food sitting there getting old. So I've had to reduce all that, which therefore reduces the experience. And I I think most certainly um, hospitality will be about the customer relationship. I think that that's where it's really changing. Um, before it might have been about the amazing fit-outs and the amazing chefs, which we have many. But I think it's going to go back to what it was before. That That's my that's my honest belief. And I think there will be less at the top end. Um, that's that's what I think because people will convert to, to maybe make, you know, higher profit margins maybe by doing more numbers, less expensive menus. That, that, that can quite possibly happen in the future, no doubt. And I was just recently at a meeting where a very well-known uh, coffee person said, you know, Katerina, they should be charging $10 for a coffee. Well, who's going to pay $10? So you, you know what I mean? Like I understand why it should be $10, but who is going to pay $10? So I'm not sure, Danny. I think it will be a really interesting landscape in the future. Mm. I think it's going to be really sad if what happens is that because things need to shrink and everyone needs to, you know, everything is so tight that it leads to a flattening of the landscape and that we do lose some of that colour that comes from things such as, you know, your long list of specials or that it's uh, it, it stops people from being able to take the risks that I guess do lead to some restaurants that don't work but also give us some of our real treasures. So we're really on the edge of a precipice, aren't we? Yeah, that's uh, absolutely and that's why I go back and say that governments have to listen and they have to tip in something. They've got to they've got to help the people that need it because you know the future the new, you know the imminent future for a lot of those uh, operators is incredibly frightening. Let me tell you, I think people their hearts would have sunk yesterday when they heard that news. Um and and people like me, I mean, I have a private function booked you know, I've, I've got everything organised. That was going to be the first of them. Um, you know, one restaurateur said to me, you know, Katerina, hold off and don't take them. But when you've been making no money, are you going to hold off? I don't think so. You know, I, I need to re-employ my staff. I, I, you know, they're waiting for the phone calls. And now I'll be ringing them and saying it's, it's cancelled because, you know, we can't do it. So it's really sad. Have you spoken to the person whose who's booking that was? Um no, I haven't because um, his, his actually number is at uh, work but I'm going into work uh, this afternoon. Um, he will know because he's in the legal world and he will have been listening to the news. Um, so I'm not sure how we can, if he can at least defer it, but it's a, it was a fairly big uh, occasion, a special thing, and, and I don't think that he will. Um, but, of course, I've ordered in wine already and ordered all the food in. We've already started to do the prep. So, you know, it, it, that's just another cost to me because I'm not going to be able to do any more people than what I've been doing. So I'm not. I'm just not sure. But anyway, uh, it, it, it is what it is. Mm. It's gutting just to think of that food ordered with a sense of optimism and excitement, menu developed. I just, I just, I just want to cry. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. You know, I remember in these three months um, since it all started and, of course, everybody was cooking at home, as you know, and it was probably a good time for families to reconnect. Um, for me, it was me being home at 6 o'clock was incredible. I haven't done that in 20 years and it was fantastic and I, and I loved all that. But just when you didn't feel like cooking and you wanted to get some takeaway um, and I remember thinking, 
how sad is all this? And my daughter and I actually ate some takeaway in the car. It was the weirdest thing um, because you never realise something is is so important to you that's at a click of a finger until it's gone. And, um, yeah, I think people were, were – that, and that's why people have probably all got together. You know, they, they've flouted the laws a little bit at home, obviously, because that's what's in, caused the spate of um, numbers to go up. And, you know, they, they forgot very quickly. But obviously this virus is, is obviously very – well, it's contagious, obviously, and um, – there, there, there've been people around me who, who don't, who are not really in belief that 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 don't think it's that serious, and I find that quite incredible because you know Victoria jumped on it very quickly, or Australia as a whole, but you know still maybe we were just a little bit too late when that boat docked, and, and you know they all that those cases are suddenly increased, and you know, I mean history tells us that something like this can spread very quickly. And I have my friend in the States, in Dallas, he's a former Melbourneian, and before all this hit, I remember I rang him and he said, oh, for God's sake, Katerina, shut it down. You've got to walk into your restaurant tomorrow. This is just before it was announced on the, you know, on the 22nd. And he said to me, shut it down. We are about two weeks ahead of you. You have no idea what you're in for. And I was in shock. You know, it was about midnight at night. I'm thinking, what's he saying to me? Because I don't know that any of us really thought how serious it was. And um, and Texas, obviously, you know. Uh, anyway, it was just incredible. And um, look, look, and now we're in the same position because people weren't listening. And now, as of midnight tonight, we go back. So. Just, just terrible, devastating. Mm. What would you, what would you say to those in other states that may think the worst of COVID nineteen is behind us? Well, just take Victoria as an example. Um, you know, someone said to me, "Oh, Victoria's going to be the laughing stock." Well, I don't think so. I mean, obviously um, Sydney, um, which. Oh, well, I think they've got. I, don't, I think they've got left, less restaurants than us, don't they? But they, they, they. Uh, I think that they were allowed back a little bit earlier with smaller numbers and then they increased their numbers. But we've just had the example that in, you know, the turnaround of literally five days, look what's happened to Victoria. So I can only say to people, make sure you maintain your social distancing. You've got to disinfect. You've got to have your sanitizers there as you walk in. I mean, I I don't think that, you know, I went to a coffee shop yesterday and... I didn't see sanitizer. I, I think people are thinking that the worst is over, okay? That's all I'm saying. And um, I think that, you know, Daniel Andrews had no uh, other choice but to shut us down again. That's, that's, that's the crux of it because I'll tell you what, Danny, another three months of this, of being locked down, shut, shut down completely, it will break a lot of people. Even the strong ones will be broken, absolutely. Oh, it's really, really tough. Uh, I I know that you're going to be there, and I know that I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be eating there with you. Uh, tell me, tell me what I should eat. What am I going to have? <laughs> Do you know what? We just bought in some truffles. I was just thinking to myself, is that going to be too extravagant? But it wasn't because we bought one lot, and they sold out within the five days. It was just you know we only bought small amounts. So what it said to me was that people would 
desperate to eat out and um, and of course truffles have got you know um, you know there is a price to them you, you, their surcharges are they are what they are they're a special you know our, our diamond jewels and um, I thought that was fantastic but you know what a lot of people have been eating pasta pasta is really hot on the on the agenda at the moment because I think it's comfort food and we always try to do exciting things. Um, last uh, Sunday, we, uh, some of my family and one of my chefs, we made salamis and that was just fantastic and I was just getting into all the cute products again and we, we did some venison and stuff like that. So we'll play around with some of those things in, in recipes. We have, My mother has this fantastic recipe that they do with brodlotti beans and it's a salami sauce but they, it can only be homemade salami because it, it requires that fat level, not the commercial one that doesn't have that, that, that beautiful fat. And um, it's done with uh, vinegar and anchovies and garlic, oil and um, cured pork. And it is incredible. And I've actually had that on the menu for a long time. And, um, you know, things like that. We're going back to our roots, I think. Um, you know, fish is always a big thing. So we, we sold so many prawns and scallops and calamari. That that was crazy. And bacala, because I know not many people are doing bacala. And artichokes. Last year we sold, I remember we did a count, 1,500 artichokes in the season. And bear in mind that we, we're only five days a week lunches. And it's been flying out the door. And I said to Marcello, my chef, I said, isn't that wonderful that, you know, people just want to come back. Firstly, they want to come back and support. I had one gentleman that spent $200 and left a $200 tip for my staff last week, brought tears to my eyes. He said, you know what, Katerina, I know how tough, not just you, but what about your staff who rely on tips? And I just thought, Oh my God! There is generosity plus out there. Um, there. There is no. There are no words for me to describe that, and and that's why I said to you uh, previously that it's going to go back to your relationships with your clients. That's where restaurants or cafes or pizzerias. That's where it's going to be relationships with your clients. So if you've treated them well in the past, they will be back to support you. Mm. I don't think there's anyone that understands hospitality better than you and, you know, brings it with heart, soul, passion and acuity. Like you're you're such a smart person and such a great operator. Melbourne is the richer for having you. I wish you so much fortitude and just good flavour and beautiful people that leave huge tips as you get through this, Katerina. I didn't say there were many of them. <laughs> well, let's, let's send them over. So let's yeah. get them, yeah. As soon as they can get back in there um, and spend big, get the, uh, get the truffles. <laughs> but thanks so much for talking. Thanks so much for talking us through it today. It's um, Thank you, Danny. Um, c- can't wait to see your column again. Yeah, we'll work on that too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Danny. Thanks, Katarina. Ciao. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.